High end over end variety. And Amani from his 45. He's got a lane. And he's got speed. Look out. Beep, beep. The Ducks are in the end zone. Touchdown. This is the Duck Pod from the Register Guard Newsroom. Gordon head to head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off. Sports beat writers Ryan Thorburn and Steve Mims. All right, welcome back to the press box. Ryan Thorburn here with Steve Mims and Ken Woody as we do a Civil War extravaganza this week. Number 14, Oregon, hosting Oregon State to wrap up the regular season. But first, let's look back at the debacle in the desert. Ken, what did you think of Oregon losing to Arizona State? Turned out to be uh, a trap game as Herm Edwards and company ruin Oregon's playoff hopes. Well, Oregon lost the uh, poise that they've had all season. You know, 1-0, and focusing on the next game. They were flat from the start. Herbert was as bad as he was in the uh, Las Vegas Bowl. He looked really dazed and kind of out of sorts. Uh, play calling didn't help him a lot. Uh, the they ran into a team that whose skill players were better and faster than Oregon's on this day. And, you know, to get beat by a 18-year-old freshman quarterback, 6'3", 175 pounds, the guy's got like a rocket arm. He was awesome. And, I, you know, you check his long ball, 6 for 6, averaging 47 yards of completion, three touchdowns. That's the kind of ignition an offense needs. And Arizona, they showed the experience of their coaching staff. They had Oregon's offense very well scouted. They knew exactly what Jawan Johnson was going to be called upon to do, and they covered him like a blanket. Defensively, they were slow. Their pad, well, the offensive line, uh, another story, but the defensive line was mushy. They high pad level. Jordan Scott got pushed around. It just looked like a lot of guys who the game didn't have their full attention. And in the end, you know, you get up against a talented team. They have good athletes. Uh, They paid for it. Steve, obviously you can point to Herbert's interceptions and and they were bad. And he admits it was on him. Uh, Bad decisions there. But he bounced back and led quick scoring drives back to back after those mistakes. It all, to me, comes down to one play. There's a million plays you can look at, but third and 16, Oregon's going to get the ball back if they get off the field and they give up an 81-yard touchdown. Yeah, because and Andy Avalos was asked about that today and said max protection so they couldn't get there. They chipped off the edge to make sure they couldn't get back there and then made a double move. Uh, obviously, Lenore didn't go with it and uh, got over him. And uh, and then you see Ayuk standing there, you know, about five yards deep and catches it in stride. And I thought it was the same with the others. You know, I, I felt like Jaden Daniels, I didn't know if it was pinpoint. It felt like he almost a couple of times was back and just sort of throw it high and long. And he had the guys who can kind of run under it. And we saw them get behind the Oregon defenders enough times that there wasn't, a, you know, the Darby one was a little close, but the Ayuk one, he had time to kind of sit there and haul it in. So, but I'm with you. I mean, I think if, you know, if they stopped them on that, and remember there'd been a sack right before that, it kind of felt like the freshman was probably a little rattled at that point. And, uh, you know, they, they stopped them there and get it, you know, what the 45 yard line, they were their own 40, 45 yard line with four minutes left the way that offense was going. In fact, they did get it and go down and score again. Um, you certainly feel like it almost would have been sitting here kind of talking about like we did the Washington State game and the Washington one, just another great escape, but not this time. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind if they force a punt there, Oregon goes down and scores and probably wins the game. Uh, 
as much blame as there is for Oregon, I mean, Jaden Daniels looked a lot like Lamar Jackson the other night. I mean, Arizona State, if they build around this kid, they're going to they're gonna win a Pac-12 championship in the next three years. Well, they are. And you give a great athlete uh, time and great receivers. They, they totally tooled the defensive backs of Oregon. And, you know, two corners and a safety were all uh, beaten by hesitation moves. And I think uh, Oregon's you know, play good man-to-man against SC, and they have great receivers. But the guy from guys from Arizona State studied Oregon and had him down and beat him. And you know, I don't know if Avalos was asked why weren't you in zone coverage on third and sixteen. To me, man coverage there is just that's asking for trouble, and they got it. Uh, the the bad thing is the Oregon corners on the long ones that they allowed, they weren't close enough to the receiver to grab them and at least pass interfere with them and in that case that would have been a good play better a penalty than a long touchdown so they they look uh, kind of foolish and not like what we're used to seeing so uh, it's just it's just to me uh, the coaches halfway through the game might have said you know what we need to ignite something here because they everybody got going with nine minutes to go and you talk about the offensive line gaping holes at times running backs are getting knocked down by ankle tackles and the of course the fourth down debacle on the goal line area just like Auburn exactly like Auburn same deal uh you'd think you'd learn from that and it's just a, a they got you got nine ten guys up in the box and you think you're going to run it the, uh, the irony is there was a great hole between the uh, left guard and left tackle but the back seven yards deep can't get there soon enough he would have scored if he was at four and a half, you know, just running a dive. So that 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 really hurt. But the offensive line, you know, the Oregon has that screen where they all are out there running, and it's it's really it's like a cattle drive. All these guys running. First, they had some success with that early in the game, but nobody was blocking anybody. The last two screens they ran when they were now going, uh-oh, we better get going, they were out there looking for guys to block. They did, and they were flying like, tumbleweeds so you could see the difference in the intensity of the players when it got down to we're going to lose if we don't do something about it all of a sudden it changed they needed to get to that point at halftime you're sitting there 13 to 7 with with just justin herbert and this mighty offensive line that to me that's embarrassing and they needed to ignite something coming out and they didn't till after the interceptions Two things following up. Well, you said one was you mentioned the Auburn one with with Verdell. It seemed odd that after that that you have Habibi Likio, who we've seen become the goal line guy and the guy, and then in that situation they come back out and again Cyrus isn't the guy that they had CJ again in a role that doesn't seem like that's kind of where they're working him in at is is the kind of the goal line back. Well, it, it put him at four and a half, uh, you know, to the side of the quarterback and give it to him. He would he could have scored. They actually made it to me. My my eyesight. They showed a little adjustment later in the game. They had the the running back offset, and they did kind of these little dive plays. And they were making pretty good yardage. They were hitting quicker. So let me just tell you, if you if you talk to a defensive coordinator and said, if you could be playing a team that you know will not run option on the goal line and is going to be real persnickety about running inside the tackles, would you like that? And they go, yeah, bring it on. We'll put a bunch of guys in. The guy who makes the tackle is the corner, the corner, who had no fear of a pass or, you know, option or anything like that. So the Oregon goes in with this idea, and it's just, you know, 
the, the comment that Cristobal said after they they uh, they lost to Auburn was we don't want Auburn to beat us twice. So the next game they had an intention and they did they did play better. Well, the thing is when they lined up in that play uh, fourth and one, they were they didn't learn from their past mistake. And ASU is not a great defensive. You know, it's not like they're supermen, but they you get enough guys in there and they're hard to block. And the thing is, the offensive line did have a block, had some blocks, but they just weren't sustained long enough to get the running back through it. That was the most missed snaps I'd seen under this, you know, this veteran offensive line we've heard about. And Hanson obviously went out after a while, but Jake missed some early. And I'm not sure that might even been a part of why they took him out was that, hey, whatever was ailing him was affecting him there. And then when Throckmorton came in, there were a few more. It felt like the most that I've seen with that, you know, I'll put it all in Hanson because he was there for the first half. But it seems like since we've seen this incarnation of the line, basically post Alamo Bowl, the last time we saw as many bad snaps, but in the Hanson, Throckmorton, ILO, Lemieux era, felt to me like that was the most bad snap that I'd seen Oregon have in one game. Well, you're right. In the Stanford game when Throckmorton was playing center, there were some bad snaps, but they weren't slow moonshots. They were, you know, kind of off to the side and maybe a little bit hot to handle up around face mask. I mean, you could handle them and it, everything worked out okay, but you're right. Uh, the, the first snap of the second half, I, I'm going, what's going on here? And I, I, that's when I saw that Hanson wasn't in there, but it, it reminded me exactly the Alamo Bowl. And here... Uh, Herbert has to duck down to pick up one, and then he throws an interception. Did that have anything to do with it? You know, he's trying to rush and make up for the fact he didn't have the ball. But, you know, they did a a nice job of defending RPOs where Herbert's looking at a a run key to see if he's going to take the ball out and throw it, and they gave him a run key, except that the corner uh, uh, defending Jawan Johnson knows he's not going deeper in 12. I'm going to just sit all over him. Def- knocked one away there's another one was a bad throw so you know those are things you could see that the defensive coaches of Arizona State did a nice job of. this is what Oregon does and that's the thing that uh, personally irritates me is that Oregon is allowing defensive coaches to be in that position more than they should I know what they're going to do first drive Herbert hits uh, uh, Johnson down the sideline perfect pass beautiful mm-hmm. right yeah hey you see another one of those? No, you didn't. And they're throwing uh, routes kind of on the perimeter. I don't see a lot of stuff over the middle where the, you know, if you're going to do play action off your inside running game, the inside should be open because everyone's up there. And that doesn't mean hooks. We're talking about deep posts. When's the last time you've seen a deep post run? So how did Arizona State's offensive line, which is very young, they have a 17-year-old, left tackle and they were struggling at times this season how did they control Oregon's defensive line that was uh, getting so many uh, sacks coming in well Oregon didn't attack them and uh, as I said they were soft and mushy they weren't using their their hands they weren't you know striking a blow to get separation they were not using the strength and experience advantage they have the other thing is the ASU coaches did a clever job of doing formations so that Daniels was moving they'd, he'd move to one side of the formation or the other and they'd have a guy in there extra blocker and move him out and Oregon's edge defenders uh, Thibodeau this happened se- several times where you know they've got the outside they're supposed to keep things contained and for some reason they're trying to go inside a block that contains them so that's you know they were strategically they did some things to minimize what Oregon had been doing 
All right, well, let's take our first break and then look at the Civil War matchup between Oregon and Oregon State. Hi there, it's Les Schwab Tires. You know, we've been helping keep folks safe on the road around here since 1952. That's why you can save up to $152 on a set of four select light truck and SUV tires during our fall tire sale. So swing by or book an appointment at LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab Tires, doing the right thing since 1952. Limited time offer while supplies last. Discount depends on tire size and type. Cannot be combined with other offers. Details at LesSchwab.com. All right, uh, like it or not, the Ducks have to move on from their playoff hopes vanishing at Arizona State and get ready for the Civil War. If they do not turn the page immediately, they're in danger in this game, the way Oregon State's been playing and how desperate the Beavers are to get that sixth win. I think uh, I'm... I would definitely take Oregon State in the points in this game, and if Oregon doesn't show up ready to play, I think Oregon State has a shot at this. Yeah, I think uh, somebody said the line went opened at 21 and it's already down to 19. So I'm not big a trap game guy, but if there is a trap game, it's, you know, I mean, Oregon with really nothing to play for anymore, no college football playoff, they're already into the Pac-12 title game. Oregon State, so much to play for to get to that. You know, they were four minutes away from clinching the bowl game. They don't get that. Oregon obviously coming off, a, you know, a – two straight blowouts of Oregon State so this doesn't go back to the three you know the only guys who remember three years ago and losing up there are only a couple of them left so most of the players who are in here now only know nothing but kind of destroying Oregon State it's at home comes on an emotional senior day where you've got I think between Herbert Dye Lemieux and Throckmorton you could argue for maybe the best ever play their position to Oregon that'll be one of those where there's going to be kind of a a big moment early and um, I could see them coming out and being a little a little sluggish you know maybe 38 39 degrees out there we'll see which team's wearing their fancy raincoats we know the uh, Ducks are not supposed to do that anymore after they got mocked for it and then mocked the other way so we'll see both teams might decide that they don't want to get mocked and have their raincoats left in the locker room and see who can be more man enough out there but I do believe that just away from the field I think with everything going on on the outside I think it definitely sets up I don't want to say a trap game because it's not a close I think Oregon Oregon wins it but I wouldn't at all be surprised if this thing's 14-7 at the half or something like that and the Ducks come out really sluggish Ken if you're Mario Cristobal, how do you motivate your team for this game? Well, I think you, first of all, need to remind everybody what they forgot about and had done such a good job sustaining throughout the season. They had played better football in, in many ways, game by game by game. And for a short period of time against Arizona State, they were they were kicking the heck out of them. Uh, I'm, what I'm really interested to see is how Herbert reacts uh, I remember in the Las Vegas Bowl after he threw the interception return for a touchdown, he was beside himself, and he was really shaken, and, and Levitt went over to try to get him going again. So he was in a uh, that kind of mood after the ASU game. I'm interested to see how he plays because what you saw for most of Saturday is not – Justin Herbert his footwork became terrible all of a sudden and I think it was all because maybe he was trying too hard whatever Uh, he knows that more than than I do but I'm anxious to see how precise he is how 
And, and it's for example, there was one time where he gets the ball, nobody's open, and he's he keeps looking, he's looking, looking, and how many times have we seen him? Nobody's there. He takes off and runs and makes some yards. Throw it away. Instead, he gets sacked. That's not Justin Herbert. I want to see who Justin Herbert really is, and I think that that's the game. It's interesting you mentioned though because I remember thinking after the Vegas Bowl, I wonder if they had a game next week how he'd react. As you mentioned, it was clearly took a toll on him the way that that game went, and you thought, boy, if they come back next week, does that carry over? But that was the last game, and it was eight months, and you know everything kind of goes by. I had almost even wonder, boy, does he come back next year still with that kind of you know in, in his head but obviously didn't but i will be, i'm with you I, I think coming back a week after that and you know i mean obviously he came back and throws what three touchdown passes right after he throws the two picks but i do think with a week of looking back for it it'll be interesting to see how he comes out and again last home game for him at a stadium he grew up going to you know is there anything even a little bit more that that's you know off the field that's in there and going through it with all these linemen who he's been with forever and um, you know, I, I do think his his state going into that will be interesting to monitor. Well, it will. And we, I was talking to a guy today about the same thing, and I asked him, who's the starting quarterback for Buffalo Bills? And it's this kid uh, who played at Wyoming a couple years ago. And on that day, he looked worse than Justin Herbert looked at the Las Vegas Bowl. He, you know, four for 17, something like that, a couple interceptions. He was sacked. He didn't look like he was a pro prospect at all. And so I think people have got to be careful about making a judgment about somebody's potential just on one game. You don't know the circumstances. I believe he was probably pressing. And I, what's ironic to me is that a couple times, the Washington State game, maybe at a time in the Washington game where – Oregon, Cristobal has had to abandon the run first philosophy and kind of say, here, you take it. All of a sudden, boom, boom, Oregon's moving and grooving. And there's, it's almost like there's a refusal to accept this as the major thrust of the offense. And if you look at the guys who can move the ball, they're on the perimeter. They're the receivers. They're the quarterback. They, I mean, they've got good tight ends, too. Webb can you know do his business there it's not the running game and i don't mean to denigrate it but it's something that can complement the offense but you build it around that they're lucky that verdell's still alive with the punishment that he takes uh with this kind of offense that they're trying to build you need 220 and 230 pound running backs yeah i'm that you're talking about the oregon wyoming game where oregon smashed wyoming they had josh allen obviously uh, I think if you switch teams, Justin Herbert would have a, a tough career at Wyoming, and, and Josh Allen would lead Oregon to great things as well. But I think they're kind of similar players. They're similar size. They can move. Uh, I think Justin Herbert has had a really good Oregon career. He didn't have the career at Oregon that Marcus Mariota had, obviously winning the Heisman Trophy, going to the national championship game. But I think he'll actually have a better NFL career if that's something he really wants to do. I think he's better suited for the NFL than Marcus Marietta, who, let's face it, I mean, he ran a lot, scored a lot of touchdowns, but their offense was so prolific under Chip Kelly and then even with Helfrich while he was here, he didn't have a lot of these games where it was on his shoulders and he was under pressure and no one was open. I mean, guys were open and... and it's a different thing in the NFL, and I think Herbert's going to be just fine at the next level. Yeah, and I think coaches will look at – or scouts will look and see. I mean, he never had great receivers here either. You know, he had Mitchell for kind of really one breakout year, and this year guys are kind of in and out, and a bunch of them were freshmen. And um, I think 
you know, get teams to look at him and think, man, with the receivers we have, and even if they don't have a great crew, just knowing they have NFL, what's he going to do with NFL receivers? And once he gets used to them, this and that, I think that's one thing that, that scouts will look at because there's not, you know, other than Juwan coming out of this year's class, obviously, and, and maybe a Brio, and they're going to be thinking of that receiving crew and wondering if there's any pro prospects in there other than maybe some of the younger guys. But I think there could be a, a scout who looks and, and looks at Herbert and thinks, man, if we get him with our receivers and our personnel and our line, maybe he looks better than he does over there. Well, and don't throw out his uh, disregard, his character, and his intelligence. I mean, that puts him above a lot of guys coming out of the college game. But I think, you know, one of the things that hurt Mariota was his draft, uh, who drafted him and when. And he went to a team that was in turmoil, went through three or four head coaches in four or five years. They didn't have good pass protection. He took a beating. Uh, You know, you're better off maybe getting uh, drafted uh, lower by a better team. So whoever gets Herbert is going to be somebody that appreciates his intelligence, his character, and and his physical tools. They, They... uh, he's just scratched the service here at Oregon. All right, let's look at Oregon State here for a minute. They they have a really good offense. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins is one of the best receivers in the country. Uh, they have two good running backs. Jake Luton is a six-year senior quarterback. Their offense is really good. That's going to pose a problem and a challenge for Andy Avalos. Defensively, though, if you watched them at the beginning of the year, it was the same old Beavers that Oregon ran over in the last Civil War but they've made strides as well. Now, granted, they just gave up over 50 to Mike yeah. Leach in the air raid, but um, their defense is at least competitive now. How do you see Oregon State, and can they beat Oregon, Ken? Well, they can beat Oregon. A lot of times it's always a factor here in the Civil War because I, I've always thought the game means more to Oregon State kids than Oregon, largely because they have a lot more Oregon guys on their roster. This year they got firepower. The quarterback can throw lasers. They've got a great couple receivers. They have a great running back. Oregon would love to have Jefferson. Uh, you know, they often, their offensive line is good. So they can score. Defensively, they, they struggle. I don't think that Smith at times has helped his defense. His decision to go for it on fourth down against Washington State, I think, was a mistake. At least with the play that he called, there's you'd like to have given your, your quarterback an option of running – and or throwing to a halfback in the flat, that sort of thing. But uh, they're dangerous. And the thing that killed Oregon last week was at halftime, they led a team that they were better than, and I'm just saying a better team, think that they were in the game and that they could win. And, boy, when that happens, you're in trouble. I've seen it happen in Civil Wars. So that's a, the thing that Cristobal and the, the Oregon Ducks want to do is that at halftime, Oregon State players have a clear idea of who's who's going to win the game. Yeah, I think they feel like they can win this game. I mean, I think, you know, either – I mean, you look at two years ago, it was the debacle with the interim coach type deal, and, and Willie and the guys went and drilled them in that one. And I don't think they felt going into that one they had any chance to win. And, Last year, Jonathan Smith's first year wasn't going well. They were at two wins. It wasn't much on the line. I don't think they felt like they could win that one. But this year, I, th- I think they do. I mean, I think they know that there's a bowl game out there, and so there's a possibility to extend it with this. I think they know they've beaten Arizona State and who beat Oregon. I think they know they could have beaten Washington State, who took Oregon to the final second. I mean, if you look at a lot of the head-to-head type stuff, they've been right there with Oregon. They've been much more erratic than Oregon, both good and bad. Their offense has been able to go 50-50-50, which Oregon hasn't, but they've had to also because their defense has been up there so I think it's a, you know it's it's almost a puncher's chance type deal as they say you know I mean, if they can come out there and hit some of those Jaden Daniels long you know balls if Luton can hit some of those to Hodgins you know they've got 
as good a wide receiver as maybe, maybe not as good, but Hodgins is better than anybody ASU has, and then ASU a little bit more depth. But I think they, you know, if they kind of throw it, I could see Hodgins having a 13 catch for 185 yard type day where they just kind of keep going to him. And I think I say, and I think Oregon can, could come out sluggish. I think this thing could be close early, and um, yeah, I, I think they can stay with him. I don't think they win this game, but I think they think they can, and that's probably more different than any time since the last time they did beat him in 2016. All right. Well, we have a 1 p.m. kickoff, daytime football at Autzen Stadium this Saturday, Oregon, Oregon State, to wrap up the regular season. And then next week we will look ahead to the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, So make sure you check out all of our coverage at DuckSports.com. And thanks for tuning in.